It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday june 12th and you're listening to episode 576 as always i am your host jason here today i am joined by returning co-host and that is jamie lily sabriel welcome hello. jamie Konnichiwa. it's been a, it's been a hot up. minute as the kids say one hot minute Yes. I it's actually been quit several hot minutes. Several. Yeah. You did quit Last your job. On, oh, I'm sorry. I keep talking over you. Uh, so you did quit your job. That is also the most recent update yes. you will be giving tonight. <laughs> that yes. literally just happened. Yes. Yeah. And we'll start from there. And, we'll, and then we'll jump to the beginning and then slowly progress forward to the point of the present day. Like, uh, uh, Pulp Fiction is that what we're doing? Oh no, Pulp Fiction or like any show like from the early two thousands, right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, Lost. <laughs> we're we're yes. doing it Lost style. Um, Memento's a good good example, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know movies and stuff. I guess. Um. So yeah. So I quit my job at the grocery store. Congrats this, uh, on I that. Have, That's got. Oh feel my god, good. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And literally the day after I put in my two week notice, like it felt like, like, even though I'm doing my two week notice still, I'm about halfway mm -hmm. through it as at time of recording. Um, by the time the episode comes out, I'll be long gone, which is amazing. Right. Um, yes. Cause we are recording this then, about three weeks early. I'm still on the summer yeah. schedule getting ahead of everything, which is smart. And I wish I did that during my brief fleeting time flirting with putting up my own podcast. But, it took uh, me about 10 years to figure it out. So, you know, <laughs> So uh, be patient with yourself, listeners. That's that's the lesson here. Um, no, yeah. I mean, literally the day after, I felt like my my heart expanded once more. My brain was free again, and I literally like felt myself talking with personality again. Yeah, I could. I felt like half of my stress already dissipate. It was amazing. So I've been working on a lot of game design stuff recently. Uh, you know, uh, tied directly ties into that. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I have a I have a little new name and it yes. is it's cute and I like it. And I'm not a hundred I'm not I'm like ninety percent sure I'm gonna stick with it, but it's just a little I'm just trying it out, you know? I'm trying it hey, out. Hey, guess so, what? It's your name. You can do whatever you want with it. And I, if somebody has a problem true. with that, they can stuff it. They uh, can stuff it. <laughs> it's not it's I mean not your problem. It's true. I uh, I did legally change it once already, and luckily in my state that's not super a headache, but Oh uh, good. Yeah, we're in the we're in the experimental phase. So yes, the the game designer formerly known as Jamie Sabriel Flez and kind of still is and, and right, like maybe right. will be in the future again. I don't know. I'm just I'm playing around. Playing well, around. hey, with your first published game, it will be whatever. You've got some time on that now. Oh, 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 well, oh spoiler. You spoiled it. <laughs> no, I didn't. Everybody no, knows you're going to have a game published at some point. You've been working true. on a game that we've been talking about. I can't remember the name, but um Ooh something yeah. order yeah. like yeah Kung slight Fu order slight frequency yeah slight frequency yeah, slight frequency like oh uh so uh i i don't know if i told you this but uh an april fool's joke that i'm planning probably the first one i'm gonna do when i start doing that um i went to the granite games summit and mm -hmm. i demoed great, it great show i haven't um, been there but i know a lot about it it's amazing yeah so i i didn't get to go this most recent time but i was at the previous one they invited me to come demo as like a push for more diverse designers and i was like okay yeah cool red that works um and i went and every and they like announced when the new prototypes were going up like when there was like the prototype change and now a new set of designers are demoing their games it's the next demo block and they would read off all the names uh and every single time the person said fight sequence they instead read it as flight sequence <laughs> which which is different to be fair though <laughs> is a thing you know what i mean like it it actually is a at least they weren't just making up words it is frustrating right. they were doing it wrong but you know yeah. you know it's it was frustrating like the first time i was like oh huh that's funny and and then the second time it was frustrating and then the third time it was very funny um and so i'm just gonna lean into it and be like all right yeah no i'm just leaning into what the people want it it's not fight sequence anymore it's flight sequence and i'm gonna like photoshop jetpacks and like well i think it's hot air it's balloons a, on it's a game where people think about about getting ready to fly a plane 
Yeah. Right. Um, well, one character will just literally be a plane. I'm just going to Photoshop their face onto a plane <laughs> and just Love redo it. a bunch of their art. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited. It's going to go over great. Um, so yeah, I, I spoiled my upcoming April fool's joke, but I have even more exciting ones down the pipeline. So don't you worry listeners. Awesome. Um, but yes, I think maybe I should just start with the biggest news. So I went yeah. to the Gamma Expo. Yes, and tell people what that is if, if they don't know. Gamma stands for the Game Manufacturers Association, and it is it has set itself up. It's, or it's trying to and is continuing to and I think is succeeding at setting itself up as being like the professional network for tabletop industry folks. Right, right. Not just designers, but also publishers. I know they've been working very hard towards that goal. Yes. Of... And I think that they and they're continuing to work on it. And I think they've already achieved like several layers of success mm -hmm. there. Right. And they're right. continuing to build it. Now, a brief history lesson on Gamma. I don't know all the details, so I'm going to talk about it in very broad strokes. A couple years ago, they got into some hot water because they did the sort of thing where like, hey, we're an organization and surprise, we're like mean to people that are not white cis men um, right. and i don't know exactly what went organizations down. have historically been yes uh, so gamma yeah. did that too and then everyone was like oh no y'all are terrible but gamma's response to it was probably the best that it could have been mm -hmm. so everyone is like gamma what are you doing you're being terrible and then gamma was like oh right yeah yeah we are being terrible except uh, for the small contingent of double downers who of course were like you know, awful about it to Gamma being like, why I, would you change? This is fine. I'm white and straight. Right. Right. You know, well, yeah. I, I try to remain willfully ignorant that those people even exist, but I, uh, I will say <laughs> as a really funny, interesting aside that I've now heard from my wife, my wife works in, in the philanthropy space. Um, and so she goes to a lot of conferences and stuff. And um, in, in that more than once at a conference, gamers um have been listed as a very very uh amazing group that's very much an ally in general like like mm -hmm. there are more of us good ones than there are the bad ones and that is i believe it pretty cool to hear from a yes. completely outside organization that has nothing to do with it so yeah um, when they talk about games and stuff my wife's always like oh well my husband is the game designer so you know that's pretty cool <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that is pretty rad um yeah, no, I totally believe that, and I try to remain ignorant of them. But Gamma, Gamma has done the thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we were really mean, um, and we are gonna make changes, and then they actually made changes, and right. they continue. What? To do <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, they are they're doing they're like making up for it for sure, and the big thing, like one of the big things, is that they, um, you know, they hired a diversity and inclusion committee and all this other stuff and um they started this program called the horizon fellowship which i'm definitely going to shill on this episode uh but I was, why <laughs> i was part of the second horizon fellowship uh the horizon fellowship program is gamma's initiative to get more diverse di designers into the games space and it's uh, they talked a lot about how we don't think this would be an effective strategy if it was just a drop in the bucket, just one or two industry folks. Mm -hmm. um, they are dumping entire buckets into the industry. And so my, the, I think last year's, I believe it was nine industry folks and it was split between uh, publishers and retailers. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so mine, uh, the, my fellowship was seven publishers and five retailers. So 12 of us total. And we all got the perks that I'm going to talk about. Um, and next year's fellowship, they're trying to get, I think they said they're trying to get at least 20 people and they're adding in a media track. So it's uh, anyone cool. who wants yeah. to be like a content creator too, they can sign up. That's um, cool. And publisher is a little bit looser and they also are looking at how to support designers that want to go down the pitching route that aren't, trying to publish themselves because oh, that's cool. how yeah. I that's how I entered because uh spoiler alert I might not be self-publishing this stuff yeah. anymore um but uh I still thought that I was going to I was still on that track when I was uh signing right. up for Gamma um or signing up for the Horizon Fellowship so what are the perks of the Horizon Fellowship it's kind of it's still kind of like hard to believe honestly so I got a one-year membership to Gamma 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got a $1,000 grant. I got a chance at another $5,000 grant, which I'm actually glad I didn't get. Not out of a like, I think other people deserve it more. I think we all deserved it. But based on certain circumstances that happened at Gamma that I will get into later. Um, right. It would have been awkward. That, it would have been awkward. Yeah. It would have been <laughs> a little like, awkward. I'm just going to give this back. I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I honestly, I was thinking about like, if it was awarded to me, I honestly thought like I might pass it on to the next person in line due to stuff that happened um which i'm keeping you in suspense listeners for fun but i promise i will actually talk about it um shortly so i got the one thousand dollar grant i got a free gamma membership um i got flown out to gamma and back they covered a thousand dollars of expenses the hotel they set me up with a free hotel room i was there by myself in this giant resort casino resort where gamma was happening um so they flew me out there they put me up there they gave me a free 10 by 10 booth space for the entire expo yeah Yeah, normally costs i think seventeen hundred dollars i think for a 10 by 10 space um and they just set us up there uh they do industry game nights which is uh nine to midnight um each of the three nights of the expo afterwards talking and it's basically a way for publishers to demo the games to retailers and then they just straight up sign deals uh and so they made sure they reserved tables for us at one of the game nights all of the horizon fellows had tables that's cool and it, yeah and we got um you know six months of mentorship from industry pros like mm-hmm. i so I was mentored. So we were all mentored on how to set up booths by Andrew Chesney, the COO of Chip Theory Games. Cool. Uh, and he's yeah, he's part of the Horizon Fellowship like team of organizers. And so he was working directly with us. Um, my I had two mentors. I still continue to have two mentors because I'm continuing to be mentored by both of them. Marissa Kelly, who's the CEO of Magpie Games. Mm-hmm. Um, they do tons of RPGs. Uh, they do the you know the legend of the avatar rpg the root rpg they have all kinds of amazing stuff um and then also Kristen looney of looney labs yeah yeah has made the game flux which you've probably heard of <laughs> um, most of us have heard of Kristen. yeah yes and looney yeah. labs yeah and so it's just i got to hang out with the fellows all week and meet all my mentors and do all this networking and get out to gamma and i had all these opportunities and a grant and all this other stuff that i you know, and I, I would not have been able to do any of that if not for the Horizon Fellowship. So anyone, all of you listeners uh, who fit into the, you know, the demographics that qualify, meaning you're mm-hmm. not a straight white cis man because you, you have don't look like Jason. You don't look like Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm okay Jason, with. Um, go sign up for the Horizon Fellowship program because it's rad as heck. And I'm so glad I did it. It was so, so worthwhile. Um like I, I will not be able to uh, under like I, I feel like I, no matter how much I talk, I will be understating how amazing it was. Um, and <laughs> right, I am right. absolutely going to volunteer my time to help them out and stuff. So that's awesome. it was really, really it's rad. Good yeah, for sure. Back with that. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point of this whole thing, right? Pay mm, forward. Absolutely. The whole industry is based on that. Absolutely. Um, so now, you know, a thing that I ran away to for so long and came back from. But yep. what happened there? Oh my God! So many things, things happened there. A couple things. Not much. A couple things. Just a little bit. I think I should just start with the biggest one because we've been alluding to it for so long. So yeah. I, yeah. I have signed two of my games, two of my games, both of the games that I brought. I have signed to Wise Wizard Games. They are going to be publishing Fight Sequence, like the the first set and all the other sets that we want to make. It's going to be Wise Wizard Games all day long. Um, Mm -hmm. And they are signing Elemistic, which is my little nine-card dueling game that I've talked about on the podcast before as well. So they have signed both of those games. Uh, We have been talking about Fight Sequence. Actually, since that Granite Games Summit where they kept calling it Flight Sequence, um, I actually demoed next to Wise Wizard. And Rob, who's the CEO, I've known Rob for a million years. We've been talking at conventions and stuff. But this was Uh his first time seeing the game up close. And he actually sat down just to play the demo for fun. And then that was the first moment of like opening the conversation because he was like, I love this game so much. I want to help make it happen, whether it's like advising you on how to get a Kickstarter for it or like if you're interested in signing it to me. And I said, well, I think I have to self-publish because I have to retain creative control because the queer representation of the characters and the art and all this other stuff, the art being nonviolent. This is all really important to me. And Rob said, you will keep creative control 
you will keep creative control if you sign it to me because that's also important to me. And I said, holy smokes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and the conversation was finally finalized at the Monday, like right before, like the day before the Gamma Expo, like actually started. He was like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. We have finally settled this, this contract. We're both happy with it. Now set it aside. Okay. Elemistic is also really cool. Same terms. And I was like, oh my God, this is unreal because, you know, any one data point, one data point in a set could be any kind of outlier, but mm-hmm. two data points is a pattern. And so, you know, we'd been talking about fight sequence for so long. Of course, I was overjoyed to finally get that finalized. And now that's, you know, going to be coming out. It's going to be, we're looking at a Kickstarter of late next year or maybe early the following year. Mm-hmm. Um, still overjoyed that that happened. But then the then he offered to sign the second game. And that's when the, yeah. like, the happy tears started flowing. I was like, oh my God, I'm, is this making it am i am i did i make it (laughs) pretty awesome deal especially i mean to get the surprise bonus of the second game that you for sure didn't expect but took a swing at which was smart i mean that's i think that's a lesson to remember here is that you know yes um show the publishers everything you can you know don't be afraid i mean like how often will a publisher buy two of your games at once not not very uh but it absolutely can happen especially in your case it worked out well right i mean you had uh not a huge game, but like fight sequence is a, is a bigger, you know, it's got lots of cards and stuff. Right. Um, yeah. And then you've got uh, this small game that, you know, I mean, so that was, uh, I think that was a good um, combo. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, um, I actually have a little anecdote about that. Like, don't be afraid to show pub- publishers your games about Elemistic actually. So there is a designer friend of mine by an, an immense amount of respect and admiration for. I absolutely love her. Her name is Bryn Smith. She works mm-hmm. for Doomsday Robot Games. Um, I think her most popular game is Zoography. I mm, believe probably, that's yeah. the, the top one, but she's made a whole bunch of other games. And she just, when you hear her talk about like her main, like her niche, her like biggest interest is talking about crowdfunding platforms and how to use them. Just mm-hmm. listening to her talk about them. It's like, oh my God, like how can one person know this much about anything ever <laughs> it's she's just awesome and so elemistic you know it's nine cards and then a nine a nine card page of tokens i was thinking very very small scale like literally i will just put the nine cards up for free in my discord server and on my website or like mm-hmm. do like a pay what you want print and play and that's the only way the game will exist or maybe even do the game crafter because i was like i just want a game to exist out in the world that has my name on it like that's really all I care about. And I brought it, it it was actually like kind of on a whim right before the protospiel two protospiels ago. So not the most recent one, but the one before, I think it was mm-hmm. in January. So it was this January's protospiel. Um, it was like a day and a half before and in like a funny exhausted fever dream. I was like, I'm going to dust this off the shelf. I haven't looked at this game in like a year and a half. I'm going to retheme it. Cause I feel like I backed myself into a corner, mm-hmm. just whip it up and see how it goes. And then I, I did a couple quick iterations. Then I brought it to Protospiel. And every time I talked about it, everyone in the room was like, oh my God, I want to play that. And so I would (laughs) frequently get like, you know, it's a two player, 15 minute game. And I would put it up and seven people would be like, ah, yes, me, I will play. I'm like, oh my God, what? I didn't expect this. And so Bryn played it and had this whole, like, uh, I, there was a term like a rant, but a positive rant, um, which has a better term that I'm not thinking of right now. But she she was like ranting and ranting about like, this is one of the best games I've ever played at a protospiel. This is like Kickstarter material. You could sell thousands and thousands of copies of this. If I didn't have a full dance card for the next three years, I would offer to sign it right now. Like this is a big, this is going to be a big hit. It's going to be amazing. And I was like, I, this is like way more than I thought I was going <laughs> to do with this game. And I'm a little overwhelmed and I kind of don't know what to do. Um, and I honestly, I was like trying to talk us both out of her liking the game so much. And like, right, and right, I was right. like, I didn't think that anyone would be so excited about this game that I could even consider doing something like this. Mm-hmm. And then after Wise Wizard offered to sign it, I sent her a big message after I got back from Gamma. And I was like, thank you so much for like that encouragement, because I was right. already like prepared to just stay in the basement with my game instead of mm-hmm. like reaching for the sky, which is you know if you have the if you have the energy absolutely do that definitely don't 
hobble yourself like I almost did with Elemistic. Well, I think um, it I think it just shows that overall none of us know anything about anything, right? Right. Like um <laughs> especially not about our own stuff. I mean, we can feel like we um I feel like it's like you know, we think we know, you know, with games um and and we can be wrong one way or another, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I I've said it's before like, you know, if you believe in a game, keep pushing on it, right? But mm-hmm. like you, you could eventually be wrong and that game may never do anything. Or, you know, like me, you could have a game, kind of give up on it, and then like, boom, somebody wants it. And you're like, what? Like, okay, you know, and, <laughs> and that was, you know, you had luckily that pivotal moment where Bryn was like, this is this is worthwhile. And that mm-hmm. exterior validation is really, really helpful. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah, for sure. And I honestly, like, that kind of ties into what I've been trying to adopt as my feedback my playtesting feedback style where it's like i try to always hone in on those things that are like what are the most viable things let me make sure i talk about those because i for uh quite a while i had the habit of only talking about the things that didn't work Mm -hmm. which is uh you know i i am veering away from that because i know that it is not effective for a lot of people um and having just been in a situation where that was the management style um Mm -hmm. i super know that that super does not work for me so why would i want to inflict that on someone else um but yeah it uh so the that's the big like immediate news but there's more (laughs) yeah yeah so not all right so wise wizard so even we we aren't even done talking about wise wizard yet so i so the uh, fight sequence, fight sequence, I already talked about how I want to make additional sets because mm-hmm. any fighting game worth its salt has an expanding roster of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously it's not set in stone, but everyone is already very interested in set two of fight sequence as well. Uh, so that's really cool. Um, so Wise Wizard is interested in supporting me for fight sequence like in its entirety as an as a franchise, as opposed to just a one and done kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless something goes horribly wrong, I guess, but anyway, um, right. let's not hope for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think that's think about happen. that. Yeah. I have enough confidence in fight sequence, like as a product and also as a, as an IP slash franchise that I mm-hmm. think it's going to be fine, but yeah, I think Elemistic. So all right. So normal queue time for fight sequence, you know, Kickstarter, maybe late next year or early the following year. So it's going to be a while for fight sequence, which yep. is normal. Yep. For published games, what's not normal is the situation for Elemistic. Normally, and as you know this, Jason, I'm sure you know some of our listeners, many of our listeners do. Um, when you sign a game, for two major reasons, it's not even gonna be kickstarted for a couple of years because you know they need to do the art, they need to do development, all this other stuff. They have other yeah. stuff in the queue. You gotta queue up games for a couple years out as a publisher, and so it's like two years later the Kickstarter comes out, and then one to two years later the game is out and in people's hands and in stores. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, cool, I signed a game. I'm so excited. Three to four years later, I'm in stores. Um, yeah, if that yeah. I is mean, the channel. Best case scenario is usually about two. Right now, it certainly can be three to four. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, so, is, uh, it is disheartening to say the least. I signed a game. See you in a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's rough. It can be rough. And I, I can imagine how rough that is. And that was kind of one of the reasons another reason i was reticent towards signing fight sequence to anybody but honestly Mm -hmm. it's like i got to the point where literally like basically all i have to do is market the game and build an audience and i super super don't want to um and so wise wizard is picking that up for me because that's their job now Um, right which is great great. uh but elemistic whoa nelly i still i'm like still in shock that this is the proposed plan Elemistic, I have I have a dedicated team of a few like developers that will be working on me with it. Um the goal is to get it done by the end of June. Mm-hmm. Because if we do that, it means that it can go to the printer with the rad art and the fully done development and all this other stuff. So that way it can be released. So they they want to put Elemistic like at the top of the production queue because yeah. it's such a fast small game. It. Yeah, fast track it. So that way it can be in retail stores all over the world and in distribution channels all over the world, multiple mm-hmm. languages and on like online and all that other good stuff. Um, 
by the holidays so people can get it for the holidays this year Mm -hmm. and the debut of like the big big debut of when it will be shown to the world and my debut as a designer is going to be essenspiel which is super duper awesome yeah so exciting i cannot believe it but the game has to be done in time that's the, that's the big thing. The game has to be done right. in time. And I guess yeah, they have yeah. to uh, see if the accountants can pay to fly me out to Germany, I guess. But uh, if right. they can... Well, there is that, yes. <laughs> there is that. And if they can, I will finally hang out in Europe and hop around Europe like I've always wanted to. I will definitely take advantage of the fact that I have been flown to Germany. Yeah, to yeah right? When you get flown there, places. you might as well do stuff because yeah. it's a good deal. <laughs> but oh my God, you know, Essen, like I have been to Gen Con once, not since I've been like in the board game design industry, you might say. But uh-huh. even that was just mayhem. I went there for a magic tournament. I think it was like 2015 or something. And Gen Con was already mayhem then. So uh-huh. Gen Con, I, as I understand it, Gen Con is the biggest domestic con. And Essenspiel is like four times larger than Gen Con in terms of the amount of people. Yep, that's what I've heard. That's what yeah. I've heard. Yeah. So it's super, super wild to me. So that that's the that's the big that's the big news. There's a bunch of other news. I networked with a lot of really cool people and distributors and went to rad seminars and stuff but the biggest thing is i signed two games and i'm going to Essen. obviously yeah that is yeah. the biggest thing <laughs> yeah if that's not the biggest thing i don't know what you're doing yeah taking over a company <laughs> i guess also they hired me as the ceo <laughs> yeah yeah i'm also the ceo of uh, asmodee <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and we're right gonna, <laughs> we're gonna steer it into a new direction and uh break it down and back into all the companies they bought right 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 <laughs> <laughs> like a lotus flower opening um so anyway i so yeah Love that's it. that's all the big stuff um and then yeah just like the other big thing is that i networked for a bunch of job opportunities so i can't say anything concrete there but i had a bunch of first interviews like one was at gamma and then a bunch you know and they're all like prominent positions in the games industry which is rad like at companies that are medium right. to big Right. So we'll see if any of those pan out. That'd be cool. Um, Yeah, that would be a bonus, you know. I mean, being able to do some work uh, at a game company would certainly be a bonus for sure. It'd be excellent. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is the long and short of Gamma. It was a really, really fantastic time. And it afforded me so many opportunities that I was not otherwise able to get. So thank you. Uh, to Devin, my fairy board mother, who told me to apply and sent me the thing and made sure I applied in time. Um, right, right. And uh, and yeah, absolutely sign up for the Horizon Fellowship. Absolutely do it. Big, big recommend. Big, strong yeah. recommend. Yeah. Super cool. So, I mean, what are your, you know, I mean, what are your, like, since we've gotten through this, like, what are your big takeaways? Like, I mean, like, yeah, I... I I don't know. I mean, you went through so much of it. I'm just, I'm just trying to think like, cause I want to make sure we hit all the notes with this um, and the mm. usefulness, right. Of like, you know, of like what you got out of it and um, you know, where you're hoping to go with it. I mean, I think that like, in, in fact, I'm going to flip it around. I'm going to give you around. some, I'm going to give you some advice. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I think this stuff is all going to go great. I think you've picked a great company. Um, I think that your stuff's going to come out, uh, in a reasonable amount of time and it's going to be awesome. Um, but like, it's tough, right? I mean, like I would say like, be prepared that the schedules may not hit just like you hope they will. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, uh, and again, I'm not raining on parades here, right? I'm just, I've been there <laughs> and yeah. like, there's this great schedule and then it doesn't work out. You know, I mean, I, you're certainly in no danger of being with a company where they might be like, hey, we're not going to um, like we're going to change our mind about publishing your game. I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. <laughs> I think you're going to be all right. Um, yeah. Because, you know, that, ha- that that crap happens. Right. Um, yeah. But like one of the other things you said, you were like, is this what making it feels like? And and it does. Right. I mean, like and I think that's something to reflect on that no matter what happens from this point right like you had an enormous win you had and are having an enormous win Mm. and and we have to remember those things and celebrate them because like i said things don't always go exactly as we planned and 
you know, like, will pitching the next games be easier after this? Yes and no, right? Like, yes and no. Uh, if your two games are super successful, yes, uh, that will be easier, right? Um, you know, but like, it's, I don't know, like, it's, I don't know how to describe that feeling of like, where you're like, you constantly ask yourself that, right? In the game design, mm. like as a designer, like when you sign something, like, is this it? Did I, did I make it now? Like, am I here? Did I arrive? Um, yeah. And it's easy to continue to ask yourself that question. And I think that you've asked yourself that question. You feel like you've answered it and you should stop asking yourself that question now because <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like if the next game is harder to sign or easier to sign, it doesn't matter. Like you've had this success now and you've made it right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have arrived. And I think that that's important to celebrate that and remember that. Um does that make sense? Like I'm trying not to ramble here, but like yeah. it does. Like... I mean, if you were rambling, you would only, you would still not match how much I ramble on our episodes. <laughs> so... I mean, in quantity though, I have rambled more over the years, <laughs> only because I've been here longer. Um, <laughs> That's but, fair. Uh... That's fair. You have but, been yeah. on more episodes than me. Being a designer is is such a weird thing, right? Of like, yeah, how do we define how we've succeeded on this or? You know, how that's do exactly feel? what I was going to say. I've talked to so many people about like, you know, because I see a lot of new designers, especially new designers, where it's like, right. my goal is to live off of game design. And I'm right. like, I respect that goal. Right. But it, you Take might step need, back. <laughs> yeah. You might need to like reassess. Right, um, right. And I talk a lot about defining what success means to you. Right. And, and I. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I actually, as soon as I saw, like, is this what, as soon as I said out loud, like, is this what making it feels like? Like, I even did an internal check of like, well, what do I mean by that? Uh, Right, right. Like, what are my goals for success? Like, I already have a number of huge publishers, like, knocking down my door every convention to get me to demo for them. And Mm -hmm, I've mm -hmm. I've done a contract develop, like a game development contract. I have done that now. And that game successfully funded on Kickstarter and that will be out. Right. Um, and so it's like, well, what I like, maybe I lost track of what success is for me. If I'm at, if I said that out loud, you know what I mean? Like well, the, I, the goalpost yeah. move. I, I think that the goalpost is constantly moving for us. And that's one of the reasons why yeah. it's hard to describe how we feel about these things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, like one thing to consider is, is not just how you're defining your success, but also um, you know, what each success means to you, right? Like, cause there's overall success, but then there's these, these independent successes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are huge and worth celebrating, right? Um, yeah, no, I, um, I just like, it's not very often when we as designers get huge wins like this, like right in a row, right? But when it yeah. does, it feels amazing. Like, I mean, I've signed yeah, like, two games the over the course of, of like six months, right? And you're like, holy crap, like this feels insane. Yeah. But I mean, I know people who've signed four games in six months, right? And uh, and frankly, that just sounds overwhelming. But uh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Yeah. But I do want to point out, like you mentioned, you know, some people like, I want, what do you, not, for me to be successful, I have to be a designer who's living off being a game designer. Um, and I think that is a is a really... Like, I hate to say it's a really bad idea, but it's a really yes. bad idea to come in with that. And and it's not because it's hard. It's tremendously hard to, to be that person. Mm-hmm. But I've seen people do it, right? I've seen people get hired as, I mean, you were newer to the industry and you got hired as a developer on a, on a pretty awesome project, right? Mm-hmm. You got to cut your teeth on that. I mean, I know you've been designing for a while now, but like as for like things published and stuff or development deals, right? right? Like that was your first one and that was awesome. Um, and the fact that you're new about newer at it has no impact on whether or not you're qualified for it. Right. Because everybody's brain works differently. And if you're good at developing, you're good at developing. Right. Um, but I think that the thing is like, when you say, I want to, I want to, I want to, um, you know, feed myself off my game design, right. I want to live off that. Um, I think the most dangerous thing about that is that, it, it's that be careful what you wish for thing, right? Because you actually may not want that. Right. Um, yep. 
because it's not what you think it is, right? Like, um, if you want to be a designer who designs games, sells them to publishers and freelances and like succeeds, right? And like, can you know, you that is your sole income. Awesome. Uh, I would challenge you that there are very few game working game designers who do that. Yeah. You look at most of the bigger name game designers that we know of who are successful and work full time in game design. And many of them, if they don't have a job outside of game design, have a job inside of game design in addition to the fact that they freelance design a bunch of games, right? Yep. I mean, even when you look at somebody like Eric Lang, right? He like works for Exploding Kittens, even though mm-hmm. he also was an independent designer. John yeah. Gilmore, Daryl Andrews, like all of those people who like have made a career out of designing also have day jobs in the industry right doing things that are not designing their own games um and so i just think that we want to set our expectations of like what do we actually want because it's really easy to say like you know i want to do this one thing but i think that you have to do a lot more analyzing what you actually want to do. And this is something I wish we could talk more about. Like you mentioned, you've been applying for, for gigs within the industry. Mm-hmm. And I think the way you've been going about it is very smart. And at some point you'll be able to talk more about that. I think whether yeah. or not you get things because you can at least talk about it, you know, not mentioning names of places and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think it's fair to say like several of those are outside of the actual design process of game design right like yeah yes um a couple of them are game development gigs and a couple of them are uh, there's this term that i've been hearing a lot uh the role of project manager Mm -hmm. which i think as it relates to game design is a little different than how it relates to the rest of the world i think it is like game developer plus a bunch of other stuff right Um, right yeah depending on the company yeah yeah yeah. i think there are companies that have both but those are the bigs that have both right yeah um um, yeah. But then also some stuff that's like peripherally related, such as like doing pre-press for a company or doing graphic right. design right. stuff like right. that. So yep. it's a tangentially related. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, and I think that that's the type of thing that people have to be aware of is that, you know, I will, I will continue to say this. I've said it a hundred times, but I will continue to say it. The least valuable thing you can be in the game design community is a game designer. Yes. It is the least marketable thing you can possibly be. It's um, true. I I'm hypocritical because that is what I'm doing. I think the yeah. <laughs> second least marketable thing you can be is a podcaster. So I am checking <laughs> both boxes on that. Yeah. Um, you I know, actually but... took game designer off of my resume. It does not say game designer anywhere on my resume based on that advice that you gave me. Uh, and then Kristen Looney gave me the exact same advice. Uh, Looney Labs literally will not hire game designers. They will hire anyone right. else except game designers. That makes uh, me makes feel sense. smart that, that I was on the same page as Kristen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you but are yeah I think that it's just not like it's not a thing that people are excited about because, I mean, also anyone can say they're a game designer, right? Like we've ta- I, I've talked about this before in episodes. I think you weren't on or maybe it was when you were on, but where we basically what? we talked about like, uh, so yes, I do on? record other episodes. Sorry. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things we talked about was the idea that um, uh, when you see a game, right, and you see a game, and you're like, this game is amazing. Like, sometimes I ask myself, like, did that designer design an amazing game or did that designer design a pretty good game? And then some developer got a hold of it and made it amazing. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, I have also, and I've uh, given specific things for companies that have, don't exist anymore, where they <laughs> took a really fun game and then developed all the fun out of it and made it awful. Um, mm-hmm. And then it didn't fund on Kickstarter because it wasn't good. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, I think that like when you, when you say I'm a game designer, uh, there are a lot of, uh, what ifs in that, right? (laughs) Like, even if you're like, look at the games I've done, um, until you get to the point, I think where you're a marketable name, um, to where companies are like, oh yes, I can bank on the success of this person's game. Um, yeah. So I'm not trying to be soapboxy about the whole deal. I'm just (laughs) throwing it out there. I think that. You know, uh, be a game designer, but don't pressure yourself that you have to work full time in the industry. Yes. Um, Especially if you want to do that just as a designer. Right. Yeah, I hard agree with that. And there's an element which you sort of kind of touched on, but I just want to hammer home because this is something that I believe in strongly. It is not 
I don't want to say often, I don't want to assign any particular like often or sometimes or whatever, but an amount of time, it is the case where if your hobby is just a hobby, it's rad. And then if you try to turn it into a job, it becomes the opposite of rad. Yeah. And it, yep. it is no longer fun and it, and you're miserable. And it's just, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's really important to constantly check in with yourself and keep tabs on yourself and make sure mm -hmm. that you're continuing to do the things that you find fun in ways that you find fun. And it could very well be the case that like, yeah, this is so fun that I can make money off of it, you know, into infinity uh, right, and right. beyond and still continue to make money and still have fun, which I do genuinely feel that I can do because I'm going to be continuing to do dev work on both of the games that I signed for Wise Wizard. Right. And right. Uh, because I have quit my job, my creative brain has opened again because I'm not super, yeah. super hyper anxious and stressed out all the time. That happened um, to me when my... I quit my job several oh my years God. back. It I'm really so makes a difference. I'm so excited about it. Um, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm busting out like all my old designs and new designs. I have several new designs, uh, mm -hmm. in between mm -hmm. the last recorded episode. And now I think I have four new prototypes that like are totally That's awesome. new. That's great. Yeah. Hey, One something else I want to throw out there where we're chatting about being a designer and like, if you want to be a professional designer, yeah. we had a really good conversation about this in the discord. Uh, and I believe you were part of it, uh, mm -hmm. in talking about the WGA strike, um, for the writers yeah. guild of America. Yeah, and, and we were talking about the the possibility, like what would it look like if we're game designers to unionize? Right, right, and and I'm not like making a call for game designers to unionize. I and not because I think unions are bad, but because I know nothing about the inner yeah. workings of how that works, and I'm not going to presume to say that. However, what I will say is this: when I read uh, a really interesting, uh, like it was just like a um, what do they call those? Like a tweet. Uh, when you like have like a bunch of tweets in a row, what's that tweet called? Thread. Thread. Tweet thread. That's it. Yeah. There was a thread on Twitter. That's how they say it. Sound like a boomer. It's a tweet thread <laughs> on the bird thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh, it was a Twitter thread that this person from the WGA explained how, uh, how it works with getting a script. Like when you get asked to write a script and do this work and do this thing. And essentially, you do all the work for a year or two without ever getting paid, getting asked by all these different people, oh, try this, try this, try this. And in the end, you finally will get to the person you can show it to. And that person may just say, no, I'm not interested in this. Um, mm -hmm. And they literally were like, that person could be having a bad day. That could person could not like the other person you're working with. Uh, all these different factors, right? And But essentially, you've done two years of work for free. Um yeah. And it's amounted to nothing. And I was like, that's literally what board game design is, is like. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I think one thing that is really a boon for us on that is that um, uh, we can learn a lot from game designs. And when we have a game design and one publisher is not interested, we could show it to a thousand other publishers if we want. Yeah, None of them may be interested, but we can still show it to a thousand others. A lot of times with scripts like this, you get asked to write a specific thing about something somebody has an option for, um, and you can't necessarily just shop around other places. Sometimes they can, but but not always. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is that most people in the game design industry, uh, or a certain percentage of people, to quote you, or, or paraphrase yeah. what you just said. A uh, non-zero amount. Yeah, a non-zero amount of us, uh, higher than 50%, I would say have day jobs, right? We yeah. have different jobs outside uh, so we can have sweet things like health insurance and things like that. Um, and pay rent. <laughs> yeah, right? And like, you know, steady income. But because of that, like, I think that it makes the drive for people like us a lot less. Also, I feel like maybe it's just the pessimist in me, but I feel like if game designers attempted to unionize, what would happen is a lot of companies would hire in-house game designers and that would be that. And we would yeah. never, uh, most of us would just be out in the cold when it came to that. Um, mm. But I could just be being a pessimist about that. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about how unions work because I've never worked in an, in, right. in an industry where a union was an option. Right. So. Right. Right. I so, um, so anyways, uh, I just thought that was a really interesting, like it really hit close to home when I was, hearing about that like oh my yeah. gosh boy can we relate to that and when i brought it up sure. in the thing everybody was like oh we can relate to that 
Yeah, so, even me. And yeah. I, you know, I, I just signed games. And I, I know you just did a whole episode with Julio about um, recently about pay as a designer. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can tell you now, like I have signed these two games as a first time designer. Part of the pay, I mean, I, this isn't me trying to blow up Wise Wizard's spot. I think that the deal that they gave me is really, really good. I, It's basically like the default deal that they give to all new designers. And I did try to negotiate for more in terms of the royalties. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, well, like, as a new designer, you're not going to be able to negotiate for more. It doesn't matter how good the games are or how much faith we have. It's like, you are not a known commodity yet. Right, um, right. And so, you know, so that's another factor, too, where it's like you have to build up to that. You need to build that right, social right. capital. Um, right. And the one thing that is cool, uh, it's not 100% confirmed yet, because at time of recording, I haven't actually signed the contracts. It's just the verbal confirmation they've been working on me with the games. Right, so it's right, like, right. I think it's literally tomorrow morning we'll be talking. We're going to the put them on blast if they don't sign it. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible, terrible. No, I think it's going to be fine. But uh, something that they've been talking about seriously considering moving to for all future contracts and something that I'm pushing for, which I think all publishers everywhere should push for it. It's the only thing that makes sense to me is... I am not going to be making my royalty percentage based on the number of games that they sell. I'm going to be making it based on the number of games that they print. Right. So right. they're going to make, print a big print run and they're just going to hand me a big check. And it's like, all right, cool. We'll see you at the next print run uh, royalty check. Right. right. Um, and so that and I'm assuming that, that means their percentage is probably slightly under what you would see if it was on the other end of it. Yes, and that is actually something sense. that they talked yeah. about. Yeah, on paper, it looks like a low percentage, but it actually works out way better because it also covers all the games that get damaged and it covers all the games that they yeah. give away for yeah. free for giveaways or, you know, tournaments or whatever, um, demos, all that good stuff, parts replacement, any of that. All of that is already covered. I already got my cut because it's based on the number of games printed. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I and, do. I would love to see more publishers go to that model. I, I know of others that have yeah. said like, oh, I got a big check today because they just did this, you know, 2000 print run of this yeah. game. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I wish all publishers did that. I wish all publishers did that too. It also just makes the accounting way easier for the publisher. And yeah. it puts yeah. the onus on them to market and sell the game, which is yes. the thing that you are yeah. signing the game to them to do. Right. And so it just, right. It, right. it's better for all parties, I think. Um, and what what is the other big thing, the other big point about it? Um, oh, right, right, yeah. So we were talking about, like, you know, I, so Rob and I were actually talking about the numbers, and it's like, yeah, I mean, like, if you were to negotiate up to, like, you know, 7% or 8% per sale of a game, but that publisher is smaller, that actually is going to work out to a lot less money than something like Wise Wizard. Wise Wizard yeah. uh, broke, I think it was, like, $1.6 on their last Kickstarter and the yeah. one before that was eight hundred fifty thousand, and the one before that was five hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, and the two, and that what the five hundred thousand one, that was a brand new IP for them, and so it's like, right. And it was a year ago, and they're just exploding exponentially in growth. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, yeah, I will take my smaller percentage with this company that does, that's going to do like a one to two million dollar Kickstarter for the game. Like, I that's okay. Right. That's yeah. Okay well, and there's when you work with some mass market companies, the percentages will be much lower. Because they're saying, listen, we're going to sell, you know, we're going to print 40 to 50,000 copies of this thing. Yeah. So, you know, or, or even 10 to 20,000, right? I mean, like what there was a publisher I had talked to and I said, how many are you going to sell it? Like, how many think you printed this? They said, well, if we do an IP 50,000, if we can't find wow. an IP for it, yeah. 5,000. And I was like, oh, okay. So like, that is a big difference when I'm signing this game with you. Like, you know, and um, I mean, even 5,000 games is a big number. For oh, like it's a big number. Dollars. But when when you've got a game that you think should hit the mass market and they can say we're either going to print 50,000 or we're going to print 10 percent of that. Yeah, that is a that's... very different contract I would like to see for those two different things. Right. And yeah. then when you get into IP games, um, specifically with with the big, big mass market companies um, that I've talked to before, um. They'll literally say, listen, if we, if we do our own thing on this, then it's going to be this. But if we're going to put this IP on it, you're going to lose another percentage point off it um, because the IP is going to make it sell more and they're going to make less off it anyways because they have to pay the licensor. Yeah. Um, so. So anyways, I just think that was some interesting stuff to throw out there while we're having this discussion about. Yeah, for sure. Contracts it, and game designers getting paid. Yeah, there's the I guess the big takeaway for me to sum it up in one sentence is that it's not just about the numbers. Like it, the, the more important thing than the numbers on paper is the context. Yeah, 
absolutely absolutely you know and contracts are confusing um for a lot of (laughs) us um even when you when you've read a lot of contracts in your life and dealt with a lot of contracts they are still generally written in a way that is confusing as hell Uh, sometimes on purpose not by the companies but by their lawyers right where they leave things ambiguous or yeah, yeah, Wise Wizard has done at least a couple contracts that were written in plain English instead of legalese. And That's I've nice, specifically yeah. requested that. Yeah. <laughs> so That's we'll nice, see how yeah. that goes. Um, um but yeah. Well, hey, before we go, you were going to said you were going to pitch a game. You promised everyone in the I uh, promised everyone I was gonna pitch a game. Okay. Discord, you're do you pitch wanna a game. hear the one that I just came up with today, or do you want to hear the one that I came up with a couple of weeks ago? So the downside of going to Gamma is that I came back and I got COVID and it developed into pneumonia, but I'm much better now, but it was That's scary good. for a minute. Yeah. But in the haze of my COVID pneumonia fever dream, I developed a game and several people are very excited about it. Uh, do you want me to pitch that game or do you want me to pitch the one I came up with today? That's another two player your, yummy game. Your choice. So let's go with the fever dream. Why not? Let's fever go with dream. the fever dream. Yeah. All right. The the the, uh, the name and tagline of this game, Hearts of Sin, Only Hell Can Stop Them, is the tagline. Uh-huh. So I had a dream where I was in hell and my traumas had taken physical form and I was punching them until they became dust. And... Also, Nazis were there, and I was punching them too. So to be I, clear, just, though, you were dreaming, so really you were thinking was, about punching them. <laughs> yes, this <laughs> is absolutely the most violent game I have ever come up with, and it is in fact the only like truly violent game that I've thought of. Um, you punch if you got to punch someone, punch is, a Nazi. Yeah, I mean, it, that it, yes, like it a is good punching plan. Nazis and trauma in hell. That is the game. So in in Hearts of Sin, uh, it is a co op game. It is a one to four player co op game on a big hex map. It's basically like the main mechanical inspiration is Gloomhaven, Frosthaven. And so it's like that, but with uh, I'm playing around with the system a bit, like simplifying the like the technical complexity of the cards. So mm-hmm. each individual card is easier to understand and is repeated and it's a deck. And part of the puzzle is like, you know, you have this deck of 36 cards and each card shows up like six times. And you're going to draw three at random and you have to slot them into, you know, this is my movement and how many actions I take this turn. And then here's the top half that I use and here's the bottom half that I use. But the theme of the game is it's a one to four player co-op game and everyone is. uh, okay. no, sorry, I got to take a step back. Okay, so (laughs) the most heinous criminals in the world, war criminals, human traffickers, fascists, they've been executed for their crimes. And their souls have gone to hell, but their souls are so corrupt that they have not like passed on to the next plane. They are stuck in hell. And because their souls are so corrupt, they're like, this is ours now. We are going to take over hell and continue to be terrible, terrible people in hell. So they are overthrowing the quote unquote demon king. It's Satan. They're they're trying to take over Satan's throne. Um, And so Satan is an NPC that is running around charging into the fight. And then there are the enemy, like all the bosses that are these corrupt souls. If they beat Satan, you all lose. You are It's a one to four player co-op and you are all playing the generals of Satan, charging into battle with Satan, trying to protect him, taking down all the bosses and summoning demon hordes and stuff. And every character, there are different characters and they have different summons and different things they do with the summons. And that is Hearts of Sin. That is um that is very much a fever dream sounding game from you because yeah. that's very different than anything <laughs> I've heard you talk about before. Yeah, it was real weird. <laughs> Sounds um, like it. And let me tell you, Maya. Every single time I just mention the name, Maya is like, "Oh yes, I'm so excited for this." I'm like, "Wow, well, I have one ardent fan." Um, <laughs> so at least there's that. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it. It is really, really interesting also from a design perspective because I'm doing a lot of stuff that I have not done before. Right, yeah, I know. A lot of the mechanic style stuff you mentioned did not sound like your style. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting. So yeah, so one of the things that I'm doing, so to clarify the way a deck works, all right, so let's say you're playing the uh, the Houndmaster character, right? So that, that's like uh-huh. the basic aggro character. Uh-huh. 
Um, the structure of the way this works is that you have movement points and actions, and both of those are split between you and your summons. The only rule is you cannot take the same action with the same character twice in a row. So if okay. you have like like one of the top one of the bottom actions, like the bottoms are spells essentially. So it's like a fireball, uh -huh. right? And so I can cast fireball and then I can make one of my hounds cast fireball and then I can cast fireball again if I have enough. Oh, okay, right. But that I can't yeah. go fireball, fireball myself. Um, right, if right. I were to be in a situation like that, I just have to stop my turn uh, and just play ghost clockwise. And so the structure of everyone's deck is the same right now where there are for the like bar on top that is your movement and actions. There are three options. It's either four actions, one movement. Uh, what is it? Three actions, three movement or two actions, five movement. Then for the top half, there's three options. There is summon your basic unit, summon your elite unit, or do a special third thing that has to do, that's specific to each character that uh -huh. is strictly summon related. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So with the hound masters, it's like all of your, all of your, uh, all of your dudes attack now with this much power. Um, and then something like the architect, it's like, you can move all of your walls and stuff, um, stuff like that. So it's different for each character. And then the three, there are three bottom halves, which are the different spells that I mentioned. So there's okay. three options for each of the three things and any specific card, there's only one copy of, okay. but it's every, sp every different combination that can happen, Okay, which is uh 20, it's uh, 18, uh, no, 20, 27 cards. Of a I can't do the math right now. My brain is a little bit fried, that's but, fair. uh, but basically, so that's the thing. And then there's a light deck building mechanic where the intent is the game will last long enough that you, you go through all the cards cause you draw mm -hmm. three and you have to slot them into the different things any way you want. Um, and then at the end of your turn, you take one card from a market and you put it in your discard pile and they're all more powerful. And okay. so you're going to go through the deck a second time with your stronger cards. Right. right. Uh, so light deck building. Um, and there's a lot of stuff of like, you know, the general gist of the game is there's going to be this giant hex grid and there's mm -hmm. going to be like one boss per player and Satan and all the generals and mm -hmm. all the summons that the generals summon because that's an integral part of the game and a bunch of the bosses have summoned. So we're talking like 20 to 25 units yeah. on yeah, the table at a time in a three to four player game. Sounds like a minis game. <laughs> it, well, so yeah. So I want to actually pitch it to chip theory <laughs> because right, it sounds right. like a, this is like a $150 kind of giant behemoth. I can see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other thing I was thinking is uh, having the summons just be like, fancy poker chips or something because i right i want right. to toy around with this idea that the summons are not like hex hoggers is one of the term i've been using like oh yeah i get what you general, mean yeah. yeah general standing on a hex another general can't go there but su your summon is on a hex you can like step into the same hex right that makes sense summon. yeah yeah and i'm really That'd be an interesting in, way to treat movement for sure yeah interesting way to treat movement and i re i'm really interested in seeing what that does for like the specific actions because the hound master is like outside of the fireball it's like they're the melee aggro generic like you know zerg rush kind of dude right and i think right. that it would you know with all the different like obstacles and other summons and all this other stuff going on i think it would make that character not be terrible <laughs> if you right, can right, right. occupy the same space as one of your dogs and then you just like burst melee something into oblivion which is kind of right, the right. whole point of the character yeah um but yeah i've already come up with five characters I'm, i've come up with seven different bosses and their overall flow uh -huh. and i have a really really wacky idea for the art direction which is cool um, cool yeah which is you know gothic art kind of style uh -huh. um and all of the you know lots of red and black and stuff and then for all right. the villains I want to dehumanize them as much as possible for two reasons. One is that it will make it easier to uh, to stomach that they're like heinous criminals. And it will prevent, I hope, prevent players from linking them to specific people or types of people. So right. we're talking like pure black and white line art and they don't have names or genders or identifiable right. like characteristics right, right. other than their general shape. Yeah, no, is, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's not you're fighting Hitler. It's that you're fighting the raging fascist. And like, that's the name. And so then it's always abbreviated with like the first three letters of the first um, right, right. word and the first three letters of the last word. It's a whole thing. Right. I was uh, I was in a 
I was in a headspace when I had COVID. <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Awesome. Awesome. What a note to end on. Right, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Jamie, for hanging out again. Hopefully you'll come back sooner uh, rather than, you know, 12 months from now. Oh, uh, God. Now that you don't have a day job, that should help. So Whew. I'm so excited. Uh, well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation, too, and some updates here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can start by going to buildinggamepodcast.com. There you can find a link to our Discord. You can join our Discord, which is a good thing to do. You can yeah. also find us uh, via email at the buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg, at J.A. Slingerland, and at 3X Rainbow Games. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the best thing to do, in addition to all those other things, is to keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Oh, yes, win the side. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.